everyone. I'm Paul. And I'm Chloe. And we're here with the Goodness Pays Leadership Podcast. Yes, this podcast is all about how goodness can be a successful leadership strategy for good leadership. Our purpose is to spark positivity in leaders like you so you can radiate goodness every day. Our mission is to spread goodness because we believe goodness pays. I'm Paul Botts, the founder and CEO of Good Leadership Enterprises and the creator of the Good Leadership Breakfast Series. If you want more information or if you're wondering about those two things, you can backtrack to the pilot episode of this podcast. I make my living as an author, executive coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Chloe Radcliffe. I'm a freelance writer in the Twin Cities, and Good Leadership has been my longest client relationship. You guys scooped me up after a nasty layoff. One of your teammates, Erin, called me, and she said, hey, we hear you're out of a job. Can we help? And I've been really grateful for that relationship ever since. Well, you uh, you do really good work, and you. you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades. You're a writer for us. You produce things like The Breakfast and these podcasts, and now you're actually the on-voice talent. Yeah. The podcast. No longer just behind the scenes. Yeah, actually, that's a perfect segue. Um, I'm sitting in as co-host today for Kelsey, uh, and, you know, the three of us, you, me, and Kelsey, mm-hmm. will we're sort of going to swap in and out as needed, as schedules demand, and today, Kelsey's schedule demands that she is in Italy, which I'm jealous of. So uh, that's that's what brings the two of us here. Yeah, well, I'm going to miss next month. I'm taking my first sabbatical, and I'm going to be in South Africa, so there. I know. that's Yeah, where do I get to go? <laughs> yeah. So next well, month, it's going to be me and Kelsey. So to learn more about this trio, you can visit uh, the goodleadership.com website. And check us out at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to uh, this podcast at iTunes, Spotify, and goodleadership.com. And, of course, we invite you to leave ratings, reviews, and comments. So this podcast is recorded in the Aspiration Suite of our offices in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We feature the most popular speakers who have appeared at our Good Leadership Breakfast Series. This breakfast is a live leadership development uh, opportunity where more than 200 guests gather to network and to participate in interactive audience conversations around leadership. We have speakers who are willing to talk about the intersection of their personal and professional lives, their struggles, their joys, and most importantly, they're willing to tell us about how they believe goodness pays for them. So today's speaker is Kevin Warren, the Chief Operating Officer of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and he's the highest ranking African American executive in the entire NFL. And I've seen a bunch of speakers at the Good Leadership Breakfast, and man, Kevin sticks out in my memory as I think the most charismatic speaker I've seen at any of these breakfasts. Well, I think part of that reason is that um, he had a very uh, traumatic accident as a child, and he's really overcome that in ways that are inspiring to anyone who hears it. I also think it's interesting that he's the only speaker we've ever had at the Good Leadership Breakfast who's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. He was one of the executives at the St. Louis Rams when they won it, and we're really hoping he can bring that Super Bowl home for the Minnesota Vikings, too. Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) By the time you're listening to this, the Super Bowl's... Well, I guess this year is already over for the Vikings. Ooh. Yeah, we don't even need to go there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so as we jump into the podcast uh, featuring Kevin, uh, let me just say that it's really satisfying that he's been back to speak at the breakfast yet again because he and I have a really close personal relationship that's also professional. I'm his executive coach. Yeah. And so I've, it's been a really fascinating journey to see inside uh, the National Football League and also inside the community of Minneapolis-St. Paul and... Uh, Kevin is one of the people in my life that is just almost larger than life. How did you two get connected in the first place? Well, um, honestly, I met him because I asked him to speak at the Good Leadership Breakfast way back in 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's the first person who I've called on the telephone who actually answered. 
to every, be a speaker. Yeah, mean, yeah. Everyone oh, else, funny. you know, we end up with an email exchange. But Kevin and I talked on the phone for less than a minute, and he was like, "I'm in." Well, he's so magnetic. It's you know, I I can imagine hearing him on the phone, and you know, you were saying, I think you told me before we started recording that you had gotten some referrals um, that he should be a speaker, and. I'm sure that in a phone call with him, you immediately understand why he should be a speaker. He's so compelling. To yeah, and for me, it was a big moment because I don't think I actually imagined that somebody as big as Kevin Warren would want to speak at our breakfast. Cool. Yeah, so what did you get out of that as the main message from his talk before we, we dive into it? Well, he, um, he gave a title. He said, if, man, if I had to give the theme of this talk, it is the necessity of gratitude. And... It's funny, you know, as he, he was talking about um, throughout the speech, he, he talked about how he reacted to difficult moments in his life and how he was leading his team. And at the end, I walked away and went, man, every element in that speech has a thread of gratitude through it. He talked about having a cross in his pocket every single day at work so that he can, you know, he asks for guidance and he thanks, you know, he gives thanks for the blessings that, that, he, that he sees every day in work. Every single comment that he was making was threaded through with gratitude. Yeah, and, and a, a very vivid description about how life is all about how you deal with pain. That the words that you speak and the thoughts that you have will really save your life. So let's just cut to it and listen. The things that have defined my life have been those moments that really have been painful. When my parents got divorced after 49 years and nine months of marriage. When my wife Greta, Greta, please stand up because she's been with, with me from literally day one and I appreciate having a, a partner. Thank you. Uh, it's been my wife, when my wife Greta sent me a page, not a text or not an email, but sent me a page from the hospital to let me know that she wasn't feeling well. When I was at work trying to care for the family, hustle to the hospital, only to find out that she had had a miscarriage our first child. It's those days a couple years ago when I couldn't feel the side of my face and I ended up having Bell's palsy. It's not the person that lives where we live, drives what we drive, gets my suits tailored. That's not who I am. Who I am is the person who's really grown through all these difficult times in my life. I'm going to just come up front right now and tell you life is difficult. Unfortunate things happen to all of us. Not maybe, they will happen. I will guarantee you, they will happen. But when those unfortunate things happen, the only thing that I will tell you is that the words that you speak, which you said earlier, which your mom would talk about, and the thoughts that you have will save your life. So, wow, you see what I mean? This guy's really dynamic. What do you think he really meant when he said the words you speak and the thoughts that you have will save your life? To me, he's talking about how powerful our attitude is. And thats it's a cliche. It's so easy to say, you know, be positive. You can, you'll make yourself better. You'll make your life better. But that what he's, the point that he's making is that it's not BS. It's, you know, it really makes a difference how you react to trauma. And that how you react to trauma in the moment and immediately after shapes the rest of your life. Yeah, and to take it one step even deeper, positivity is a part of good news. Mm -hmm. And it's also a part of gratitude. But mm -hmm. the ability to ask with an open heart, where is the goodness in this? Mm -hmm. 
it opens up a whole different discussion to say, I'm going to find something in this situation that I can build on. Yep. And I've never seen anybody, I've never known anybody that can do that better than Kevin Warren. He's just really, really inspiring. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, where is the goodness in this is such a great framework for when it feels like, you know, I think I'm going to take that away from this conversation, that when I feel like I'm in a stressful situation, I'm in a traumatic situation, I'm in a difficult, whatever, when it's like, what do you mean the words I say and the thoughts I have are going to save my life? How do I do that? I don't have a framework for that. I think the, you know a great grounding is the question, where is the goodness in this? Well, Kevin's such a good speaker, I think we should just cut right to his traumatic story. I, he's the only person I know who's overcome something so dramatic as a child. Let's just listen. Great. Age 12, get up one morning have a little breakfast, get on my bike, not bothering anyone, riding my bike over to the local school, play a little touch football, have some fun, middle of the summer, June. All I hear is some tires screeching. Next thing I know, I feel the impact of a car going about 40 miles an hour hitting me. I fly, they, they said, somewhere between 35 and 50 feet in the air. I don't know. But what I do know, and that was the first time in my life that I recognized that God had a plan for me, because what I do know is that I landed on a small patch of grass. And later, the police officers, you know, months later told me that I, if I had been literally four or five feet either way to the left, right, front, or back, someone would have been reading and saying prayers at my funeral. They got me in the ambulance and they rushed me to uh, Desert Samaritan Hospital in Mesa, Arizona. I'm from Tempe, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. About a 30 minute ride. But they didn't have anyone there to deal with the trauma that I was going through. So then they had to drive from Mesa to Phoenix, which is about a 45 minute drive. So I had to be in the back of that ambulance. And I tell you what, to hear all those people talk in the back of the ambulance about is this kid gonna make it? Probably will be paralyzed if he does. He's in bad shape. I think he's going to die. Because, you know, I don't know if you've been around people in the medical field. They don't have a filter. They just say what's on their mind. You know, <laughs> one guy back there was like, man, that dude's in bad shape. He's, I think he's going to die. And the crazy thing about it, because we didn't have cell phones at the time, no one could contact my parents. There was no texting and calling or whatever the case may be. No one contacted my parents. So I was alone as a kid, scared out of my mind, hearing these people, adults, and all these uniforms telling me that I'm gonna die. But there was one lady in that ambulance that kept saying, don't say that. Don't say that he's going to be okay. Don't say that. And that's the voice that I held onto. Try to eat laying down. I did that for seven and a half months. Not fun. I don't know how you grew up. I know how my kids grew up now. They got all these gadgets in their room. I mean, literally, it's nothing bad to send a kid to a room now because they got more <laughs> stuff in there. But when I grew up, we had one TV in our house. And I can tell you what, it wasn't in my bedroom. But I spent a lot of days and hours and time lonely, just thinking about the meaning of life, even as a 12-year-old kid. But as I look back, those are some of the greatest times in my life because it, I learned to love myself. And I learned not to just live in the, a state of distraction. So when I came out of that, 
One day when I was in the hospital, that lady who said don't say that came back to visit me. And she came in and she says, I knew you would make it. I know you'll have a great life. Wow. <laughs> Man, that is such a powerful story. I watched this speech when he gave it in 2015 and it has stuck with me to this day. I still remember the photo that he had printed out in the insert at the breakfast. Really, really powerful. The photo of he was in a full body cast and his leg was suspended in the air in the hospital bed in the 1970s. Really powerful. So clearly the star of that story was the woman who, who stood, you know, the medical professional in the ambulance who was saying, don't say that. When they said, this kid is going to die, she said, don't say that. And she was with him the whole time. Did you, what, what did you think about that? I mean, what an open-ended question. Oh but. gosh, it was easy for me. I had three very vivid encounters with people that, um, that seemed almost identical to that to me. The first one was my, with my father. I, I did not have a relationship with my father the way Kevin had with his dad. Uh, we, it was seldom harmonious. Uh, but I remember when I, I went to college about three weeks later than all the other kids in where I grew up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And there was a certain group that had gone to work in construction jobs and they had tons of money and they were driving pickup trucks and they had boats behind them and everything. And I was, oh, I was so envious. And I remember my dad in an uncharacteristic way putting his arm around me and saying, don't look back. Hmm. That's where these guys are going to end up. Yeah. Your job is to get out of here and go do something different. It was don't look back. It was just wow. as vivid as don't say that. Yep. And that I remember just really being overcome with emotion, almost like I am now, um, when I heard him say that for the first time at the breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, I think relationships with our families are really powerful. and Really cool. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, there's, there's another one. Um, a pretty well-publicized part of my story is I have a really powerful mentor, and this guy named Mark Bergman. Mm -hmm. And I had a great job um, right up until the, um, the Great Recession just really ripped apart a lot of consulting firms. And in the worst of the worst there, Mark was the one who put his arms around me and said, hey, you know what? Um, this can be so much better. Yeah. And he knew I had a vision for what we're doing right now. Yeah. He knew I had a vision for the kind of writing and speaking and coaching we do around the ideas of goodness. And without Mark, though, Mark was that person, just like my dad. So I had very, very strong visceral reactions to that story about don't look back. Cool. Mm -hmm. Don't say that. Yeah, yeah, don't say that. Yeah, absolutely right. How about you? Um, you know, it's funny. There is, when I think about really important messages, these little concise important messages that stick out to me, um, this wasn't in a traumatic scenario, mm -hmm. but there's one message that, that stands out to me and I still think about it today. Um, I competed in college speech and debate mm -hmm. and... You were a national champion. Two you? times. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I don't bring it up, but if somebody else does, yeah, I'll, I'll well, mention it go. two times. Um, and one of my coaches, I had three coaches on the team and I, I was close in various ways with all of them, but the coach who I was closest with would pull me aside before a big tournament or before a big round, even multiple times at a tournament. And he would say, Chloe, don't screw up. Just don't screw up. You have it. You can do it. It's easy. Just go in there and do what you, you know, do what you are so good at. Just don't screw up. And what's funny is that I, I you know, as I've told that story to friends, some of my friends go, oh my gosh, what, that's such, that's too much pressure. Yeah. What do you mean well, don't screw bad up? Bad coaching. Yeah, <laughs> right. But for me, he knew, and he wasn't saying that to other, other yeah. students on the team. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't using that. He wasn't painting all coaching with that brush. 
But he knew that for me, what I just needed unlocked was somebody to say, hey, you have it. You're good enough. You're capable of this. All you got to do is go in and deliver on what you what you know you can. Maybe the maybe the other obvious thing is uh, if, as our listeners are thinking about what it would have been like to be in the room with Kevin Warren, he is su- he's larger than life. He's energetic. He's charismatic. The voice is really strong. That's obvious. Listening on the on the, on the podcast, um, but to think of lying in bed by yourself without a television or a device for seven months. Yeah. What 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 would we think about? What would you think about? How would that shape? It would be easy to get depressed, right? Um, but we know a guy who really was imagining, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping those of you who are listening are imagining how would how would you deal with that, and what kind of aspirational thinking would you have about your future if you were laying there? And he was 12, and he took that time to self reflect and to think about what it meant that he was laying in bed. And that he was going to be stuck there for a long time. You know, I have tremendous amounts of respect for his insight, even as a kid, to be able to say this is an important time. He, you know, I think later on in the in in his speech, and we don't have to go back and listen to this, but he said, "I spent a lot of time lonely, except I turned from being lonely. I learned to love myself. I got to know myself, and I think that to, you know, for him to have that comfort with himself." At age 12? Yeah. And have that as a foundation to build on is something that a lot of adults don't have. Well, it's also not the kind of message that you hear this very large, powerful man say on his right. on, on right. stage. Yeah. Right, Well, um, to reflect this back to what our podcast today is really about, the necessity of gratitude, um, I love how he kind of made it vivid about how to be um, active in thanking the many people who have helped you along your journey. Yeah. It was a little bit kitschy, but I thought actually it's kind of fun where he talked about if you want to be on the freshman team all the way up to all-American team, I, I think we should listen to that. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, it's it's practical and kind of fun. Yeah, he splits up his challenge into sports metaphors, and I like it a lot. Let's listen to it. So what I want you to do today, and I'm, we're going to select teams because I want to do this. If you want to make the freshman team I want you to write or call someone today that, but for them, you wouldn't be here today. Just one day, pick up the phone or write a note. One day, that's the freshman team. If you want to make the junior varsity team for the next 16 days through Halloween, I want you to call or write someone every day for those 16 days who but for them you wouldn't be here today if you want to make the varsity team for the next 42 days which there's 42 days if my math is correct between today and thanksgiving you need to call or write someone who but for them you wouldn't be here today And if you want to be an All-American for the next 77 days between now and the end of the year, I want you to call or write someone but for them that you wouldn't be here today to tell them thank you. And it's interesting, the number seven, from a biblical standpoint, is about completeness. So many times we go through life and we're so focused on complaining. 
and moaning and groaning and woe is me. Stuff happens. People live, they die, they get in accidents, they get cancer. People who want to have kids can't have kids. People who want kids don't want the kids. People get divorced, planes crash, people get wrecked. Stuff happens. But when you add it all up, for us to be here this morning in our right mind, healthy, to be able to listen, learn, talk, we got a lot to be thankful for. I remember really being fired up about 77 days of a time here to admit I, I made it 11. Yeah? Yeah. I, uh, I had every intent. I actually wrote down the 77 people, but something wow. got in the way and uh, I only actually reached out to 11. But in my, my own mind, the fact that I spent some energy in prayer and contemplation and gratitude about these 77 people. It was, it was a really, uh, it was a really powerful exercise for me. It's grounding. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I remember walking out of there and going, man, I'm going to, I, I want to do that. I can make a 77. And I, I actually called my mom that day and, and she was the first person I called and then it stopped. I didn't even make it two days. Oh yeah. And what's funny is that I've, that, that's been in the back of my head for two years yeah. now. This yeah. was in 2015. Um, that challenge that Kevin gave has been in the back of my head. And just this fall, I had a mentor who has just been really supportive of me over the past year. And I went, man, I should write him a thank you note. And did just sort of, you know, it went out of my head. Okay, so and how many of well, you out well, there are experiencing but, the same thing, right? So the challenge we have here, so the actionable insight here is, come on, write those thank you notes. I know. And so this, so... This January, so th this is the this is why I go. Wait, don't cut me off because this January I ended up getting out my stationery, you know, pulling out a card and an envelope and handwriting because I went. This is this person has been really important and really supportive, and I don't want to just send an email. I don't want to just send a text. I handwrote him a you know a long note that talked about how important and how meaningful his support has been to me. And he called me and he said, maybe you wouldn't guess it, but I don't get stuff this sweet very often. And that made me think, I, I think most of us don't get stuff this sweet very often. So it really is the, do it, you know? And I'm saying this to myself too. Well, I, I took it one step even farther. Uh, the book I wrote last year is called The Bucket List Book. Mm -hmm. uh, you helped me with that mm -hmm. book, which was awesome. And uh, one of my bucket list items before I pass is to set the Guinness Book of World Records for the most, r r rallying a community to write the most number of thank you notes in one day. And uh, Kevin Warren is one of the persons who said to me, you know what, when you're ready to do that, let's strategize on it. So you know what? To be continued, right? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So one of my favorite parts about the Good Leadership Breakfast is uh, the part where um, I get a chance to invite the speaker up on stage. We sit side by side on bar stools and I do an interview and I ask the kind of questions that I think the people in the audience would really like to know. It's also interesting in the fact that I get a chance to interview them ahead of time and if they skip something in their their speech, I get to come back and ask. So um, uh, I asked Kevin about his transition from being a lawyer that's literally trained to argue and fight to being a leader. And I thought and he, he was a lawyer in the NFL before. Yeah, he right? was a yeah. lawyer in the NFL before. And he was actually a lawyer in the Minnesota Vikings organization mm -hmm. before he got promoted to the highest level business executive job. And I thought his answer was really insightful, not only about individual leadership, but about what it takes to really build a strong team. Let's listen to that. Great. It truly is all about everyone else. And so I try to spend the majority of my day just, I can't fix everything because my DNA is if I see something, you know, I'll just go do it myself. 
And what I'm trying to do is just to really continually be there as a support mm -hmm. system, you know, to people. Uh, be very direct and honest, but that hopefully that they know when I'm not around that I've got their back. I'm going to do everything, and if I tell them I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm just trying to really build an environment for us to win a world championship. And Coach Vermeil, who mentored me at the Rams, said something to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, the moment the people in this organization realize that when, not if, when we get our Super Bowl rings, they're all going to look the same. To me, saying the rings are all going to look the same is a true core definition of teamwork. That it's not about the leader walks away and you know gets the accolades that everybody and of course the team gets different accolades than the staff does but that the rings look the same the reward is shared evenly between everybody who contributed to it and that you know he 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 was mentioning that when a team understands that not only the players but the staff the you know everybody behind it understands that that's when the whole organization rises to the occasion i thought was a really powerful message me too, and I even more trivial than that. I remember going, really? That's that's kind of cool. Oh, sure, yeah, that right. the rings are the same. That Tom Brady gets the same ring for the Patriots as the guy who works in the locker room. That's amazing to me, and also cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a message that we're all trying to put out there. And um, I think as a business owner now, I'm 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 thinking about you know there's a lot of really cool things that I get to do and the travel and the people like Kevin I get to meet but we got we have to figure out a way and I would challenge everybody out there that's a manager or a leader or a business owner make, make sure that the rings all look the same mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to I'm going to think about that a lot I think that's a really powerful message and and probably a really good place to conclude our podcast today for Kevin Kevin Warren Yeah what a what a powerful speech it's so I I, I remember being impacted at impacted by it that day in the room and still re-listening to chunks it just really hits me so what actionable insight comes out of this particular podcast for you to me you know I think I think of myself as someone who thinks about gratitude a lot but the reminder to put pen to paper or put words to that gratitude and make it happen and communicate it and tell people how important they are to me really hit me you know he framed it as 77 people who, but for them, you wouldn't be here today. And that truly, it's not just my mom. She's great. I mm -hmm. care about her a lot. But there are, you know, 10, 20, 50, 77 people, but for whom I would not be here today. Yeah, well, for me, that includes all of us in the room right now producing this podcast. Um, I, I actually want to go one step deeper in the fact that um, I have had times in my life when I've been very confident and really knew what I was doing. And I've had lots of pain. And that confidence can go down really, really quickly. And to really pay attention to what that self-talk is. So this idea that or the words I speak and the thoughts that I have will save my life, to me that is, uh, that's a gem that I'm not sure I even really understand right now, but I'm going to take that on and I would challenge you know, everybody who's participating in here to be thinking about that as well. And, and the idea that we would get this from this really powerful, uh, very... Uh, um, energetic, charismatic, uh, athlete, executive. I think that's even cooler. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now it's time. So uh, what do we think is the most important thing that people should get out of this podcast? Goodness pays. Yeah, I agree. Goodness pays. Goodness pays.